Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Tonight's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com today. On tonight's episode, I will be recapping some of the NHL action as it has resumed, as well as a couple of games that we didn't really talk about right before the players went on strike and ended up protesting for a couple of days. In all honesty, this has been a pretty tough week, I think, for most folks. You know, yesterday, it turns out that we lost the Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman, and I think it's just been, you know, after everything that's happened this week, Jacob Blake, Chadwick's passing, it's just been... A very long seven days, but you know we're we're coming towards the end of the week. It's almost Sunday, almost the start of a new week. You know, let's kind of look forward and and try and find some inspiration and joy over the next couple of days because I think we're all going to need to lift each other up over the next few weeks and months, even uh, next couple of years, if we're being honest. I know that you all listen for the the hockey stuff, so tonight we'll focus a little bit more on some hockey things, and we'll start with some of the games that took place on Wednesday, August 26th, right before the players went on strike, and that was a, a couple of games that occurred. The first was Philadelphia versus the New York Islanders, and this one saw an extremely tight game that ended up in the Flyers losing in overtime 4-3. The game-winning goal was scored courtesy of Philip Myers on a bit of a messy goal, but this is one that the Flyers will absolutely take, and it ended up tying the series 1-1 after the Flyers ended up getting trounced by the Islanders in the first game. It was a big game too and one that Philadelphia absolutely needed to show up in and for the most part they were pretty decent. You know, the Islanders have been a very frustrating opponent throughout most of these postseason matchups. You know, they, they kind of curb stomped the Caps. They really throttled the Flyers in the first game and Philadelphia needed to prove that ultimately it could do a little bit more and, and have a bit more in the tank, although it very nearly went the other way. The Flyers only escaped because the Islanders, who'd managed to tie it right before the end of the third period, just couldn't quite clear the crease in overtime and it ended up being an, a messy goal that they were happy to capitalize on. Phil Myers, though, I think has been a very good standout defenseman and somebody that I think, you know, the Flyers may or may not underestimate. I don't know. I, I think that he started getting more prime deployments, and for a long time I felt like he was very good, but he just wasn't getting appreciated. I think Elaine Vigneault has started to pick up on the fact that Myers is legitimately a great top 4D. You look at that team, and they've got guys like Gostas, Bear, Provorov, Sanheim, but Myers is proving that he probably deserves to be in that conversation. I feel like his edge work, his positioning, his passing and vision, all of them are pretty top-notch. While he may not be the exact number 1D that you might imagine some of those guys talked about would be, I think it's safe to assume Myers is in that really comfortable number 2 or number 3D, which is actually very good company to be in. Teams often have a bit of a quality drop-off once you go past their top pairing, and it's it's hard to find really good second-pairing defensemen who can reasonably slot in on that top pairing when need be. This is one of those guys that I think is going to start to become a lot more popular over the next couple of seasons. I think his name is going to be very much appreciated in Philadelphia. The Flyers are used to extremely bad defensemen, and so finding somebody from the minors who has been in their system for some time and maybe got overlooked for the earlier portion of his career, now he's starting to put on a show, and I think uh, Flyers fans are in for something special. I am going to jump a little bit out of sequence in these games and, and jump forward to today because the Flyers did actually play the Islanders again, and this one ended up in a bit of a different result 
where the Islanders ended up winning. Although you'd be forgiven for wondering if that was really the case, because early on the Flyers had all of the jump and scored one nothing to put the Islanders in a bit of a hole, and there were some questions as to whether or not New York could recover and, and get back in the game, but over time they started to build up to the task. One of the things that remains true about this Islanders team is that there's really no quit in the squad. I mean, this is a team that continually has fought and scrapped for every goal that they've scored, whether it's through a, a really persistent forecheck, really effective grinding, a decent-ish power play. I would not say it's particularly great, but it's it's decent, and some really nice standout performances from their top six. But today, I think that they showed again that they are a resilient squad and that they don't really worry about going down. You know, this team doesn't really have a whole lot of top-end goal scorers, but what they do have is a relentless work ethic, a quality coaching staff that can get the most out of this roster the way it's constructed, which is, by and large, with a more defensive mindset, and a pretty rock-solid defense on the back end to guard their goalkeeping duo, which is, you know, Varlamov and Grice, I would say most people would be pretty happy trusting those two with net-minding duties. Even though Varlamov's previous game wasn't so great, I could understand why they were going to start him today, and he seemed to be pretty okay after that first goal. It's not like he was tremendously busy, but it was certainly enough to get things going, and he made enough saves to keep the Flyers from getting any of the tying goals that they were looking for. When you look at the score sheet, you'll notice today that there were quite a few grittier goal scores for the Islanders than usual. Matt Martin and Leo Komarov took advantage of some net front chaos to each get a goal, which is kind of unusual for them, but Broussard actually had an assist on Komarov's goal, and I think that's kind of important because Broussard was somebody who ended up coming in today for Ross Johnston. Ross is one of those guys that I kind of forget exists. I know that he got a contract extension, and for a while people were like, who is Ross Johnston? He's actually been skating for the Isles for a while and was doing okay enough, but this was one of those series where, against the Flyers, some of his uh, lesser qualities started to show, and so Trotz needed to turn to a skilled veteran, which I, I think Broussard should be starting anyways, but that's just my opinion. Again, though, I think he repaid the faith and ended up collecting a nice assist. I just feel like even when Broussard is struggling, when you look at this roster and just how much talent it does or does not have... I think Broussard is somebody who needs to be anchoring that top nine, especially in like a bottom six center role. He can help your transition play, and he's got enough passing and vision to set up your line mates. So I think that that's something that Broussard definitely brings, and he definitely has a bit of an offensive drive. He's not as good as he used to be, but if Trotz liked what he saw today, which I hope he did, I, I think that he's somebody who's going to stay around for a long time, at least as far as his playoff roster is concerned. I also have to give credit to Pulak and Pelik, who have been very good defenders throughout this entire series. I, I think that Pelik and Pulak are definitely anchors on that Islanders' back end, and again, they've shown some really good quality. Pelic, in particular, has had a standout series. I feel like the Islanders have done a really good job of finding guys like Adam and Ryan. These are kind of bigger, bulkier defensemen, but they can also transition and skate, which is, I, I think, an important thing. When you have puck-carrying defensemen who are sizable and have good passing, good vision, and good shooting, that's a really nice, well-rounded package. It's not super easy to find, especially guys who are top-four quality, and, and Pulak and Pelak have been very, very good. Lord knows we could definitely use a couple of those guys in Winnipeg. I think that they're actually the exact kinds of players that the Jets should be targeting if and when the opportunity comes up where you could trade for one of those guys and get a good or fair value deal. A guy like Pulak or Pelik would certainly fit the Jets to a T, and I think that they have both the traits that the Jets seem to love, especially Maurice, and also the on-ice performance that makes people like me very happy. Up next, we will take a past and present look at the Lightning and Bruins series, which has seen two very different kinds of games. But before then, I wanted to talk a little bit about rockauto.com. 
Much like assembling the New York Islanders with limited parts, it can be hard to fix up your car when you don't exactly have what you need on hand. Figuring out what part you need and then going to order it is always a difficult process, especially when you have to go in person to a retail auto parts store. Worse yet, you might find yourself paying a lot more than you expect and wondering if maybe you could have saved a few dollars shopping elsewhere. That's where rockauto.com comes in. Rockauto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use website allows you to find exactly what you need for the price you need, with filters for the make, year, and model of your vehicle as well as the price range so you always get what you want at the price you want. Best of all, no matter who you are, whether you're a fledgling DIYer or a veteran mechanic, you'll always pay the same price and you could save anywhere from 20 to 50% off retail brick-and-mortar auto parts stores. If you place an order at rockauto.com, be sure to write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com. Satisfying your car's need is always important, but it's also a good idea to make sure you're satisfying your own cravings. Now that we're all in quarantine, figuring out what we need for dinner is always a challenge. Do you want pizza, pasta, Chinese takeout, sushi, or even frozen yogurt? How about all of the above? Do you wish that there was a one-stop shop where you could get everything you want delivered right to your door? Well, you're in luck, because DoorDash has your back. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is super easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery option. You can choose from over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia whether you want to support local hotspots or order from some of the big-name restaurants like Chipotle, Cheesecake Factory, and more. You've counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. Their dining rooms may be closed, but they're open for delivery with the DoorDash app. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDONNHL. You can help support your local eateries and save a few bucks at the same time. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNHL for $5 off your first order and zero delivery fees when you order with DoorDash. If there was one second round series that I expected to be a closely run affair, I thought that the Lightning and Bruins would be taking this series to seven games most likely, but I think I was very wrong. On Wednesday earlier this week, the Bruins got lit up by the Lightning, which is not exactly shocking when you look at the Tampa Bay roster, but I think that this is one of those games where you felt like the Bruins just kind of lost the plot. Tampa Bay scored tons of power play goals, there were tons of contributions all across their roster, I mean this was a thoroughly dominant performance, and Tampa Bay won 7-1. Yaroslav Halak is a great goalie, but I think this is one of those games where it just kind of went and spiraled against him. I think he had a few goals that he probably wants back, and I I think that some of the shots that beat him, yeah, they were not uh, super ideal. I also feel like the Bruins just weren't able to figure out Tampa Bay's defense and could not solve Vasilevsky. Tampa Bay is a tough team, but I think that this is the kind of performance that the Bruins really want to avoid because Boston is going to have a tough time clawing back in this series. Once Tampa's offensive pressure starts to overwhelm your strong defensive structure like the Bruins have, you're kind of in trouble because that's sort of what is the underlying backbone of everything Boston does. If they start to concede tons of opportunities to this Tampa Bay roster, it's going to be over very quickly. And ultimately, I think we saw the same thing, though to a lesser extent today. You know, the first couple of goals that beat Halak, I felt like one of them was a little bit unfortunate. There was kind of a weird deflection on a five-minute power play opportunity that just sort of lofted over his shoulder from almost out of nowhere. He never would have seen it. But I think some of the other goals, he probably won't like the second goal from Palat, which was uh, a clear-seeing eye wrister that just seemed to beat him. And you look at the Wednesday's game and today's game, and I just feel like 
Tampa Bay has figured out how to beat Boston, and the Bruins don't really have a big response right now. If their power play isn't on the board with guys like Pasternak, it's going to be tough for the Bruins to really find a lot of 5v5 scoring. It's just hard to get a whole lot at even strength against this Tampa Bay team in general because Tampa has such a fast forecheck, really good offensive numbers, and a strong, resolute defense in part because they don't spend much time in their own end. The Bruins kind of rely on a lot of cross-seam passing and really good puck movement inside the offensive zone with sustained pressure and, and, you know, occasionally using physicality to gain that extra edge and maintain possession. But the Lightning are kind of a different team in the sense that you're not going to get much time in the offensive zone. You know, you're not going to be able to bully the Lightning, barring a couple of uh, matchup issues, maybe. What you kind of have to hope for is that some of those shots that you take end up beating Vasilevsky, because Vasilevsky hasn't looked that amazing this series. I think he's been fine for the most part, but there are a couple of scenarios where I felt like he was a little bit shaky and his positioning maybe wasn't great, uh, and some of his reads were not, I don't know, they weren't ideal. But he's been enough, and I feel like the Bruins, you know, even if they were able to record a couple of goals here and there, I think they're struggling to stop conceiving them. Today's game, they only lost 3-1, and I felt like it was at least a little bit closer than the last game, but Nick Ritchie taking that five-minute major just felt like a really good summation of what the series has been, and I feel like Boston's starting to get very frustrated. You know, the Bruins are trying to claw back in the series, pun intended, but thus far the Lightning have just been able to stymie them at almost every turn, and Tampa Bay is starting to kind of dominate and dictate the terms of the series. I think that this is the Lightning that I expected for most of this postseason, and they're playing like a team that's really looking for a a cup win. The only other team in the postseason that has played at this level consistently has been Vegas, and even the Knights have some goaltending issues sometimes, especially when their defense kind of clicks off and they start letting guys take good shots against them. You know, this Tampa Bay team won't give you those same amount of opportunities, but they definitely have a very similar approach in that they have a very fast counter, they can pressure you in the offensive zone, and when their defense is on point, it's hard to find those good shooting lanes and really pick them apart. You know, Tampa Bay is going to have a very interesting matchup if if a cup final between Tampa Bay and Vegas is what we get, which feels kind of likely in some capacity, I think you have a very intriguing matchup of two styles that are surprisingly congruent. Where I think the Lightning are going to differ is that their their depth forwards are a lot more skilled and good at scoring. I mean, you got guys like Blake Coleman in their bottom six, and Coleman is just fantastic. But by the same token, Vegas has guys like uh, Alex Tuck in their bottom six, I think. Can't recall who's being used on their second or third line, but he tends to kind of bounce around the lineups a lot. And you have other guys like, I guess, Thomas Nosek and whatnot. But I, I think the, the Lightning's forwards, especially on like their third and fourth lines, tend to be a lot more skilled. You know, guys like Yanni Gord and, again, Coleman. Those guys are difference makers in ways that Vegas may not quite have that the same level of. So if that is the matchup, I think it's interesting. Boston's down, you know, three games to one in this series against the Tampa Bay. And I don't think that there's much of a road for them to get back into this series. I think at this point, it's pretty much signed, sealed, and delivered. But I have been known to be wrong before we'll see what happens. Boston is a tough team, and this is a squad that has shown that being down for them is not always a serious issue, but I think against Tampa Bay, a little bit of a different story. Wrapping us up tonight, I'll talk about Colorado versus Dallas and the game that just wrapped up between Vegas and Vancouver. But before then, I thought I'd talk a little bit about a more serious issue that affects quite a few men, especially those uh, you know in your middle to later age groups, and that's erectile dysfunction. 
talking about ED has never been an easy process. I think for a lot of guys, it's a very uncomfortable topic, and we don't really know how to deal with it. We always blame ourselves and say stuff like, I've lost my mojo, or we don't want to deal with it, so we say, I've had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But this is just stuff that we have to deal with on a daily basis and in our lives. But it turns out we don't have to do it alone. Roman makes it easy and safe to talk about ED. With Roman, you can talk with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's safe, simple, and discreet. You can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you step-by-step to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. To get started, go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. Closing us out today was a wild and woolly affair on Wednesday between the Colorado Avalanche and Dallas Stars, which, you know, most folks, I think, weren't really paying attention to the game. I think that this was around the time that the NBA had started to announce that they were quitting and and going on strike, and a number of other sports leagues were doing the same. And, you know, the NHL, of course, was the odd duck out on this situation, and we still had some games going on. And this is one of them that I kind of tuned in at least a little bit for, but I wasn't really interested in paying attention beyond just watching, so... I could report on it a little bit. It was a fairly chaotic game. I think that there were tons of goals either way and lots of scoring opportunities. Colorado ended up prevailing 6-4, and they are just, you know, clawing back into the series a little bit. Tomorrow's game is going to be a pivotal point in the series because Dallas has kind of, in some ways, fluked a a 2-1 lead. Although I don't want to say it's too fluky because I think the Stars have, in general, played pretty good hockey. It's just that some of the goals that they've been able to score are the kind that I feel like most times don't really happen all at the same opportunities. You know, you you wouldn't expect to get all of these more lucky bounces and goals in the same series or even in the same games, but that's kind of what's happened for Dallas. They've managed to get away with it so far. You know, Colorado has tons of scoring weapons, but thus far until, you know, Wednesday night, they'd mostly been quieted. Or even if they were going, they couldn't outscore Dallas and Colorado's own mistakes. So kind of a weird series and one that I don't really know you know what who's going to even come out of this one just because it's been very back and forth I could easily see either one of these teams advancing you know Dallas maybe has the edge because they have that extra game but I certainly wouldn't be shocked if Colorado somehow pulls this one and turns it around and ends up winning the series because they have that quality they have that offensive punch and they're a very strong roster when they're playing at full capacity the other game that happened tonight and was the final game of the evening was Vancouver versus Vegas and this has been another kind of quirky series one where Vancouver has at times played okay, maybe gotten a little bit lucky to, to tie the series 1-1 initially, but tonight they lost 3-0, and I don't think that that is a particularly fair scoreline for what Vancouver actually put out there. Uh, for the at least first half of this game, even into the latter stages of the second period, Vancouver played a very strong, very good, well-rounded attack. What kind of killed them, though, was that Jacob Markstrom led in two goals in the first four shots of the game, and a couple of the shots weren't really... Uh, particularly great. I mean, the the tuck goal, it is what it is. It was a situation where there were three skaters for Vancouver in the neutral zone. Somebody didn't pick up tuck kind of streaking between the three of them. There was a nice little neutral zone dish to spring him on essentially a breakaway, and and that's one that you would like Markstrom to maybe try and stop, but he just got beat cleanly. I I get it. I mean, it's, it's one of those situations where you can't really fault Markstrom for tuck scoring there, although I felt like 
in that situation, Markstrom just really didn't have time to challenge the shooter and didn't really come out aggressively to, to go for a save. The second goal was just a weird one. I think that that was Zach Whitecloud, and he just sort of seemed to find a seeing eye shot towards the far post. There was a bunch of Vancouver uh, skaters in front of the net, and I felt like Markstrom was cheating to the wrong side trying to peer around them. I don't really know if Markstrom is necessarily at fault for either of these goals necessarily, just because I felt like they were the kinds of goals that happen when your defense is sort of having miscommunications. I will say that they were just, in general, pretty brutal in one of those kinds of situations where you're like, oof, you know, that might be enough to sink you if you can't find a way to claw back at least a goal in the first period. And unfortunately for the Canucks, despite owning the shot share for the early stages of this game, they really just could not solve Robin Lerner in the other net. And, uh, that you know, they had a couple of op- power play opportunities. I think they had a 5-on-3 at one point. And they were definitely getting those high-danger opportunities and looks, but they just could not get the goal to, to come and materialize for them. So I think that this is one of those games where they'll be very frustrated with the outcome. I think for at least the first half, the second half not so good, but the first half they had a pretty strong performance. I think they can be happy with that. This is just one of the situations where Vegas's quality ended up winning out. Vancouver is going to be down 2-1 to one in this series, but I don't think that they should be too upset. I think that this was a good performance, and if they come back with the same performance tomorrow evening, maybe they have a chance of tying it up again. I wouldn't count them out yet. I, I think that they have something to show us, and they played pretty good hockey. I think that the Canucks are potentially not dead yet. We'll see. I mean, it's it's obviously still early in the series anyways, but I, I think that there's a little bit more of a spark than I was expecting. That does it for all of our game recaps for this evening. I hope you folks enjoyed it. Um, we'll have more of that stuff for tomorrow, and then on Monday and then maybe Tuesday we'll have some prospect talk with uh, Will Scouching, who we've had on this podcast before. It's getting close to thinking about the NHL draft again. I'm trying to hype myself up for it, but we'll see. With that, I thank you guys for listening so much. Check out our Locked On National podcast hosted by Sarah Avampato, as well as uh, a number of our other affiliate shows who have done some really great episodes and talk shows on the Black Lives Matter movement and how it relates to the NHL. Be sure to follow and subscribe to their shows for all sorts of really great content, game recaps, discussions, roundtables, you name it, we've got it. Thanks again, have a great night, and go Jets go!